Hey everyone, this is The Neighbors Season 7 launch, but this episode you are about to hear was finished a while ago, long before hospitals started to get overwhelmed with COVID-19 patients, and back when we could all hug our friends with what now seems like reckless abandon. So, at least for me, it's weird to hear the following intro without acknowledging our new reality. But my hope is that this episode brings you closer to your own heart during this time of isolation, closer to attending to your own grief or joy or whatever you're feeling, and perhaps be a strange respite, one that isn't a fruitless distraction and also one that isn't so heavy that you snap. This is a show about what connects us, and I hope uh, that you will find commonality and connectedness in this piece. So here we go. You ready? Oh! <laughs> All right, here, here, wait, you ready? Here it goes. Oh. Hey everyone, I'm Jacob Lewis, and you are listening to Neighbors, a show about what connects us. It's been a long time since we've been together, and in that time there were three really big things that happened. One, I had a kid. His name was Oscar. He's the guy you just heard. And that tape is like the first time he like really laughed. The second is that there is a new co-host of Neighbors. Hi, I am Cariad Harmon. Hi, Cariad. Introduce Hi. yourself. Uh, I am a musician and radio producer and a longtime fan of the show. And uh, we met at the uh, Transom Traveling Workshop. Yeah, I was like the teaching assistant and you were a like killer producer right out the gate. Thanks, man. I tried very hard to impress you. <laughs> <laughs> Keep trying. Just kidding. Um, and Carrie, the third thing that happened while Neighbors was on hiatus was this thing I did called attend. Yeah. How would you describe that? What was that? It was uncomfortable <laughs> performance art that was very stretching for me. Uh-huh. So I had a fellowship at a Art Center in West Nashville. And so it had like dance and film and audio and improv. Um, this first Neighbors episode is like a reflection on that. Like, it's like I made this thing and now that I have some distance, I've just been thinking about it a lot. And so I've reworked it into this strange meditative piece. I can't wait to hear this. Yeah, I think it'll catch people up on where I've been, but I think most importantly, it'll tell people where we are going. And where we're going is really exciting. We've both been working very hard on new stories for this new season, and we are now independent, which means that we're going to be experimenting a little bit more with the format too. And since we're independent, we are also now using Patreon, which means like for this episode, we are putting up on Patreon a video of the full performance of Attend, mm -hmm. uh, as well as three of the films that were created by my actual neighbor, who's a genius filmmaker. So you'll get access to all of that. So you can become a patron at patreon.com slash neighbors. We work really hard on making the show, like sometimes embarrassingly so. And you can help us out and get lots of free stuff, like an ad-free private feed of the podcast. All right, shall we begin? I'm Cariad Harmon. And I'm Jacob Lewis. And you are listening to Neighbors. A show about what connects us. Today's story, pay attention. Introduction. It starts with the heart. 
Sorry. It's okay. We'll take a pause. <laughs> it passed. Okay. <laughs> This is the first sound I heard of my son. His beating heart through a magic wand covered in jelly. Nine months felt like too long. Nine months felt too short. I needed more space, more time. But in some ways, he's right here. We hear him. We named him Oscar. At eight months, he wakes up some nights every hour. We're exhausted. There's this like creepy universal thing of parents like loving watching their babies sleep. <laughs> it's kind of a creepy thing <laughs> if you think about it, but also true. <laughs> Now that he's down, we're on the precipice of the unknown. When will he wake up first? Will we get a stretch of three hours? We both want to go to bed, but instead, I ask my wife a question. So what, was, what do you think my performance at Oz was actually about? What do you mean? Like, like I never had like a central thing. I just kind of made it and then... Didn't really know what I was making. It was about paying attention. It was about... Yeah, paying attention. That was like the whole theme for a while. Making... While you were making it. Leading up to it. And conceptualizing like what all the different pieces were. I watched my wife's belly grow. I was working on a show at an art center. I had named it Attend. It was a vehicle for me to process everything. Suddenly, it was like every event in my entire life leading up to this baby all stopped in their place in the string of time and turned toward this fetus. I started to focus everything I had ever known onto one point. Contemplating attention, I thought about the movie Lady Bird. In it, a nun says to the main character, a Catholic schoolgirl named Lady Bird, don't you think that maybe they're the same thing, love and attention? I started to notice what I noticed the most. And if this metric were true, then I love Twitter more than I love my wife. Oh shit. Okay, so I've said the word attention. Have you ever heard the word attend? No. Like sometimes people will say, hey, Leo, will you attend my party? Which is a fancy way of saying go to will you, or you come yeah. to. Will you come to? Yeah. So what are some things that you attend? I sometimes attend like, 
Like Ella, she's my friend, and I'm gonna attend her soon to my birthday. And also Tennessee, he attended me, and I came to his birthday. Like Tennessee, he like he's like fast. He can run fast, and also me, and 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 I'll show this to him when he comes to my birthday. This is my nephew Leo. In his basement, surrounded by toys, he holds up one of his many Lego creations. This one is a pretty awesome car. So you really like paying attention to Legos, and you like it when your friends pay attention to the things you made. Yeah. Yeah. How does that make? You, how does it make you feel when somebody pays attention to that thing that you made? Like happy because they because if someone doesn't pay attention to me, they don't know what. This can do, like it can fly up or in the water or on the water, or it can maybe drive. If I put wheels, if I put them on here. If I push on it too hard, it's gonna break. You see? Oh, I pushed on it too hard again. What does it mean to love something? It means like. You like the thing very much, and I'm gonna give. I'm gonna show you some a creation that I love so much. I'll go get it. Okay. Say, say that again. These are the two creations that I love. That's the first one. It's called the speedster, and you know why I put a heart on it because I love it so much. What are these made out of? Uh, Legos. And so you love them. What What do you What do you mean by when you say you love them? Because like they can, they can make you make cool creations like this and this. This is called the scorpion beetle, and that's why I put like that thing on it, like a scorpion tail. Do you pay attention to the things you love? Yeah, like this and this. And I have other creations that I love, but I can't bring them down here because. But I but I can bring one of my other creations that I love. Just one more. I'll be right back. <laughs> That's amazing. tired <laughs> well yeah because we're sleep deprived parents you more than me but I, I guess I think what I'm asking is like now I realized I realized like at the performance how much this was about like having a kid for attend I took the interviews I did over the years and I just listened to them like this favorite moment of mine from an Irish session in a pub in Donaldson Tennessee They started to take on new dimensions. This is beautiful. I really like this. Why do I like this so much? Will I ever go to the pub again? Uh, uh, I think I'm completely healed, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy! 
What I didn't realize that I was doing was taking all this stuff and subconsciously letting it shine toward this unborn enigma in my wife's belly. It was still about paying attention, but it was like in the context of like wanting to attend to a person and also like ultimately model that for him. Like you want to be the kind of dad that sits and stares at rocks. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you think of me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what I want you to be too. Dad who sits and stares at rocks. (laughs) That thing of like that sense of wonder, the like the way that a kid would, like sitting with your kid who's like staring at a rock because it like looks like a goat or something. Like you're gonna be (laughs) you wanna be the kind of dad who like sits with your son in that moment and like sees the goat rock. Yeah. (laughs) You wanna like be there in that moment, like attend to that to the moments and that's like the message you are trying to talk about outside of the context of fatherhood and then it became about fatherhood as you continued to work on it chapter two body john did you like have a a private moment and say anything like to wes that's something that you... Uh, I still talk to Wes, but the... Uh, I mean, I did have private moments with him after he died, but I can't remember what I said particularly. I think basically what it was is, I will always love you. And that what I get from him is, he will always love me, you know. One of the first stories I ever told was about a family whose son died in his early 20s. They went to the morgue, picked up his body in a minivan cleaned it, built his coffin, dug his grave with shovels. It was all so physical. I remember helping my dad move a fridge when I was about 13. I wore a white shirt I got from basketball camp. I had ripped off the sleeves. He tipped it and thought I had it supported. It fell. A sharp piece of metal took a chunk out of my shoulder. Oscar, it's okay. Come here. Our bodies hurt, suffer, grow weak, and die. What's strange is, when I interviewed this family about losing their son, they told me this story. A story that I was present for. I was in the room asking the questions, and I don't remember this part of the conversation at all. How often did I do that? Well, in this case, it was like finding a gift behind the Christmas tree that I didn't notice. It's a recent story what it's like. So, so this, this was a favorite spot of Wes's on the uh, Springfed River in uh, Florida. So this tree, the little side spring here, that's a favorite spot is. So we were there just in April. Not Wes. Not Wes, but Last year, Wes. myself, my niece, and my friend Rob were driven down there. We were there in April, and we, so we're here, and we're hanging out swimming and jumping off this tree and, and thinking about Wes, kind of communing with Wes. Well, we get back in the canoe... And within, like, uh, less than a minute, here come these, uh, here come these manatees. No way. 
within a minute, we're, we get in the canoe and these manatees come up out of the river. And I've been canoeing this, I've been down this river 20 times in the last 40 years. Never, only once did I hear the ranger, a ranger told me, oh yeah, somebody yesterday saw a manatee down by the thing. But I mean, the very rare experience. And when they came out, it was like, it almost snapped me into another dimension. And it was like, I felt like Wes had something to do with that. You know, the fact that these manatees are there. Because then we played around with them. We tied the canoe off and got in the water and played around with them. Let me see here. There's three? Yeah, well, then we, here, here we're, we're tagging along following downstream, but. Oh my gosh, like touching them? That's amazing. Yeah. So this one hung around for about, oh, at least a half an hour we played around with this manatee. Is that good? Itchitakne Springs? Yeah, it's the Itchitakne Springs. <laughs> Sarah takes an And there she is, hugging it. Wow. Yeah, that, I like that. Kind of gives a good idea of the proportion. So then we got back in the canoe and head down the river and kind of tagged along with them down the river for a while. There they are. Then they started doing this, where's that picture? They started doing this courtship, like this nuzzling and all this, and actually, uh, where's that actually then made it right there next to us. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a picture of them intertwined right there. Yeah. Making it happen. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, well, that's kind of special. Wow. How do you think I've changed since before he was born? And how do you think I'm the same? Because of sleep, like, and because so much is different for me, it's hard for me to think about what's different for you. It's different for you. Like, literally everything. (laughs) Physically, like, my body is completely different. My emotions are different different my like whole motivation and reason for living is different (laughs) the way I spend my time the choices I have to make everything's different I feel like it's easy to say those things or hear those things as something negative but I don't feel that way at all it's just different This clock sound is from a story I did about a man with ALS. His name is Wayne. He's an accountant. And like monks of old, in order to cope with his condition, he ordered his life, regimented it really, around the clock. It kept him sane. Time doesn't make sense to me sometimes. The difference between waiting for a show to load on Netflix versus what it took for water to carve out the Grand Canyon. I've always struggled with time. Time management, 
estimating how long things will take, regretting how I use my time, having a good time, having too good a time, hoarding time. What time is it? Anne Butterfield. I'm from Leeds in England. Well, we are at um, Plateau Point inside the Grand Canyon, about halfway down from the rim towards the Colorado River, and we're watching the sunset with a group of people who were all camping at Indian Garden. Oh, it was... um, I thought it started well, but actually it was a bit of a disaster because I started at... Well, I started too late. I didn't take any notice of the woman in the backcountry office who told me I should leave at seven, and I left at half past nine. In the morning? Yeah, in the morning. And I ended up um, the last hour walking in 97 degrees heat, um, gulping water, and I felt quite sick and shaky when I got to the campsite. But the campsite turned up just in time. And is there anything that you hoped for this trip that you haven't done yet in the Grand Canyon? Not really. I suppose going to the bottom um, and camping by the river would have been um, more of a challenge, but I don't have the days left in my holiday to be able to do that. But having said that, um, I don't think you can get these views down at the bottom. I think you just you feel as if you're trapped inside rock, whereas here we're just surrounded by vast space and we can see what like right now what what's the thing that you notice the most actually the um, breeze and the the temperature is just so perfect compared to when we were walking down this morning and it was too hot and the colors now are starting to disappear as the sun goes, the colors go. The sun just dipped over that, uh, I guess, butte. Is that what you'd call that? Thousands of years ago, people saw volcanic action forming the Grand Canyon. Haven't you been on the time trail? the clock way more just like it's all about time like what time what time did he wake up what time did he eat what time yeah life has certainly taken on more of a, a rhythm like it's been forced to be more structured whereas without Oscar I'm like super super loosey goosey This is the Garden of Our Lady, and that is a statue of 
the Virgin Mary when she was about 14 years old. And one of the reasons I love to tend this garden is because she is a mother. And look at all the trouble her son got into. And still she was steadfast and loving and beautiful. And the flowers come back every year. Do you have a son? I do have a son. I have two. Have they put you through grief? Uh, on occasion. On occasion. Is that why you identify with the Virgin Mary? I identify with this garden in that it is tall and strong and it has a lovely framework and it has a lot of heart. So it really needs to be attended to lovingly and it is such an important piece of this community. Most people have heard of it, but they haven't been here in a really long time. And because generations move on, they forget that this is a place where everybody can come and sit for a day, sit for an hour, come at different times of the year, see what's blooming. And it's a great place to make memories. I felt quite sick and shaky when I got to the campsite, but the campsite turned up just in time. Someone doesn't pay attention to me, they don't know what this can do. I will always love you. And then what I get from him is he will always love me. You know? Oh! <laughs> All right, here, here, here. ready? Here it goes. So it really needs to be attended to lovingly, and it is such an important piece of this community. It was about, yeah, paying attention. I'm giving you 30 seconds of silence. What's your garden? All right, we have a new segment right after the break. So we have a new segment on the show called the Neighbors Reverse Complaint Line. When you get on websites like Nextdoor or Facebook, most posts about neighbors are complaints. We wanted to give people an outlet to share what they like about their neighbors. So this could literally be the person who lives next door to you, or it could be someone in another state or another country. Uh, we really believe that everyone is your neighbor. So this is how this works. You call 615-601-1411, leave a message and tell us what you like about your neighbors. You can find this number in the episode description and also on our website at neighborspodcast.com. 
Hey guys, this is Kyle from Texas. Hello, my name is Mia Byrne and I am in Berkeley, California. Hi, my name is Stephanie Plant. I live in Southern Illinois. I have lived in a college town that is known for its music program. And I live in a townhome, so I have neighbors on either side of me. And for the length of a year, I had an opera grad student that lived across from me. And every so often, and never at night, uh, I would be going about my day doing chores and whatnot, and I would get a little operatic show. It was the most pleasant noise complaint I could ever have. I have a next-door neighbor named Devorah. Devorah has become a dear, dear, beloved friend. So when I was recovering from surgery, um, had some jaw surgery, she gave me a bunch of baby spoons from her kid. When she was going through some stuff, we just walked and talked and cried together. And we are the punk sisters that I think that we wish we had had. And we both have sisters who are wonderful people, but uh, they're certainly not tattooed punks like we are. I love my neighbor next door. His name's John. Him and his wife, Belinda, are always so helpful, and they're so loving. And one thing I really appreciate about John is that he's always willing to uh, take his tractor out and plow the road for us, and he's always repaired potholes in our road just out of the goodness of his heart. And he works really hard, long hours, but he'll come home and want to do what he can to make the neighborhood more safe. And then this year, as luck would have it, um, on the other side, I have an, uh, another opera student, and uh, same thing. I get to hear them belt away um, at odd hours of the day from time to time, and it's uh, just a joy. Any neighbor who gives you their surplus tomatoes out of their garden and who you can borrow a wheelbarrow from is a good one. But it's even better when uh, the two of you become BFFs and uh, we're gonna go get matching friend tattoos on Valentine's Day, and I think that's pretty hecka cute. She made me a quilt for my baby when he was born, and she always comes over to help me if I need anything, and I love those guys. I'm really glad I get to live next to them. Thanks for letting me talk on the podcast. Bye-bye. Anyway, thanks so much um, for doing this, y'all. Bye. Alrighty. Talk to you later. All right, that's the show. We'd like to thank some of our patrons, Eric Detweiler, Patrick Gillis, Mark Kachamba, Ray Ware, Rachel Craft, and Jacob's mom, Tanya Lewis. Thanks, Mom. Sign up for $10 a month or more and hear your name on the podcast and in the show notes. Also, at any level, you will get an ad-free version of the show and access to a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. You may have heard at the beginning of the show a new Sonic logo replacing our old wind chimes. That comes from Dallas Taylor and his award-winning sound design studio, DeFacto Sound. He has a brilliant podcast about sound called 20,000 Hertz. Uh, go check it out. Neighbors is produced by me. And me. Music is from the Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Jacob Lewis. I'm Carrie Harmon. And we're reminding you to, to get, get to, to know, know your, your neighbors. neighbors. Hey, Jacob and Carrie Ed. This is Jacob sitting with Carrie Ed. Um, I really like that um, my backyard neighbor, Walsh, has like five, six chickens. And um, he gives me eggs and I give him loaves of bread that I bake. And it's just a sweet little weekly check-in with my backyard neighbor. Thanks. Thanks.